0: Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: Starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President. Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear true human stories of Mr. President. Let's visit Mr. President in the White House. It's evening, and only one window shows a light, a study on the ground floor. We find ourselves at the front door.
2: Come right in, please. The President's expecting you. Through this door, please. I'll go right in. Some visitors for you, Mr. President.
3: Hello?
2: Sit down, won't you? You know, it's strange how many people think the President is somehow superhuman. But believe me, it's not so. I have the same daily job of living that you do. The only thing is, most people rarely hear about that side of life in the White House. The true story I'm going to tell you now, for instance... Well, it's hardly known at all. Now, which of our 32 presidents was I when it took place? I'll tell you later on. But meanwhile, see if you can't guess. One morning, I walked into my study, and as usual, she was already there. My secretary, I mean, Miss Sarah.
4: Good morning, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Mr. President.
2: Oh, why so glum?
4: I enjoyed romantic poetry when I was a high school girl, Mr. President, but I'm afraid I don't anymore.
2: That's the trouble with a lot of people, Miss Serry. Uh, they don't take time to enjoy life. Don't let it happen to you.
4: Ever since I walked in here this morning, the vice president has been telephoning in a fury asking to see you. I've hardly had time to enjoy life.
2: (laughs) Mr. Edwards has no sense of humor.
4: Nor any time to enjoy the poetry I had to read to him.
2: (laughs) Did you happen to read him a poem beginning with, If I Were King?
4: Why, that's exactly the poem I read him. Now, why should Mr. Edwards be interested in that?
2: Well, there are more ways than one to skin a cat, Miss Sarian. And more than one way of getting your vice president to come to see you. Haven't you read this morning's newspapers?
4: Mr. Edwards hasn't given me time.
2: I knew that poem would get him.
4: That is probably Mr. Edwards again. Let me talk to him. Miss Holmes speaking.
3: This is Mr. Edwards. Is the president in?
4: Yes, Mr. Edwards. Here he is.
2: Good morning, Mr. Edwards.
3: Mr. President, may I ask the meaning of your statement to the newspapers?
2: Certainly. Yesterday you made a speech in Philadelphia. You explained what you would do if you were president.
3: And you referred the newspapers to some poem or other if I were king.
2: It's simple enough. There was one trouble with that poet. He wasn't a king. There's one trouble with your speech. You're not the president. I am.
3: I made a serious speech on the economic crisis. It hardly called for so, so flippant a comment from you, sir. I've got a... ...in public, sir.
2: Mr. Edwards, we're in the worst depression the country has ever known. Banks are failing every day. Factories are closing. Millions of men and women are out of work. And you're recommending to the people a policy that can't help but lead to inflation and complete disaster. The
3: Silver Clause of the Sherman Act permits you to issue the maximum amount of currency backed by silver. That's what I would do if I were...
2: Mr. Edwards... We will never stop foreign countries from draining our gold reserves until we can re-establish their confidence in the American dollar, not destroy it further by basing it on silver. And, Mr. Edwards, I wouldn't say if I were again. You're not the president. I am, and I expect to be for some time.
3: It's obvious, sir. We can't settle anything this way.
2: I've can been hoping you you'd today? say that, sir. Yes, sir, you can see me today at 2 o'clock. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. Now, let's get on with the day, Mr. Sarah.
4: Yes, Mr. President, your physician is here with a Mr. Mott. Oh,
2: have them in, will you, please?
4: Uh, this Mr. Mott, is he a friend of Dr. Raymond's?
2: Yes, you might say so, Miss Sarah. Dr. Raymond, come in, please.
4: Thank you, Miss Sarah. I'll be in my office, Mr. President.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, good morning, sir. Mr. President, may I present Dr. Mott? I am honored, sir. I hope you don't mind our making you masquerade as Mr. I can't let anybody know you're a doctor. I quite understand, sir. Uh,
5: Mr. President, we won't mince any words.
2: Please don't. Uh, It's cancer, Mr. President. Are you absolutely sure? Uh, Dr. Martin... Um, Mr. President, in the roof of your mouth, you have a cancerous area about the size of a quarter. But it's so small. Yes, yes, I know, but if it goes untouched, it will spread to your throat, your stomach. What treatment do you recommend? An operation, Mr. President. An operation? Is there any alternative? Yes, Mr. President. Death. Would it be a serious operation? It's cancer, sir. And where would you perform it? And when? At once, sir. In Dr. Mott's private hospital in New York. At once? You mean a week or so? A day or so, Mr. President. Dr. Mott, uh, what provisions for secrecy can you make? Oh, the usual in a private hospital, sir? That's not enough, I'm afraid.
5: I don't understand, sir. It's not
2: possible for me simply to have a cancer operation and allow it to become publicly known. But surely, sir, your staff can keep newspapermen away? In the middle of the worst of depression we've ever had? And millions of people holding me personally responsible? Mr. President, your life is at stake. How long would it take? You'd be absent only a few days, sir. All right, then. Good day, gentlemen.
4: I can send it over to the Treasury right away.
2: Oh, well, the month's order for silver coinage, three million ounces. This is the minimum the law allows. How do you know I wasn't going to change my mind, Miss Sherry?
4: That's my job, Mr. President.
2: (laughs) You often know what I'm going to do before I do it myself, don't you?
4: Mr. Colby. Miss Sarah, the door was open. Mr. President... Mr. Colby, the press room is down the corridor. It's important.
0: I know I shouldn't break in, but... It's very important. Come outside and tell it to me, Mr. Colby. Uh, Just a
2: moment, Miss Sarah. Go ahead, Colby.
0: I'm afraid it's private, sir. Please, Mr. President.
2: All right, Miss Sarah.
4: Well, it's highly irregular. A newspaper man seeking an exclusive interview without an appointment. Please,
2: please, Miss Sarah.
4: Yes, of course, Mr. President. No doubt, Mr. Colby, you lurked about till I was not at my desk.
0: I'm afraid I did, Miss Sarah.
4: Yes, I thought so.
0: Now, Colby. Mr. President, I've never been a Washington correspondent before. Well, we're happy to have you, Colby. Even though your paper isn't friendly toward me. Well, naturally, I'm on, well, probation. Mr. Nickerson, he, he owns the paper. Mr. Nickerson's got his eye on me. Naturally. Naturally. If I turned in an inaccurate story, he'd be angry. Naturally. Naturally. Or a story that's so hot, uh, a newspaper term, Mr. President, so hot and, and still so fantastic that, uh, well, naturally. Naturally, you... Colby, what are you trying to say? Mr. President, I have information which leads me to believe you have cancer. That's quite correct, Colby. What? How did you find out? Well, an intern I I know at a hospital in New York. Oh, this is terrible, Mr. President. It's a malignant growth
2: in the roof of my mouth.
0: About the size of a quarter, that's all. But cancer. Exactly.
2: And I'm arranging for an operation to have it removed within a day or two. If I can arrange a political truce with my opposition. And and you'll be all right? Colby, what are you going to do with your story? Well, that's what I came to ask you, Mr. President. It's tough, isn't it? Yes, sir. I mean, being a newspaper man, having a big exclusive story and not... It is a big story, isn't it? Oh, the biggest.
0: The President of the United States... Why besides that? Well, just now, in these times... What do you think of these times, Colby? It's the worst and longest depression we've ever had, isn't it? That's
2: right. Colby, all because of the fight between those who want money backed by silver and those who want money backed by gold. Now, which side are you on? Personally, I mean.
0: The sound money, sir. As far as I understand it, just the way you are. I I mean... I know, I know. Now, if the country suddenly learned I had cancer, just when this fight is at its peak, what do you think would happen? I did scare people to death, Mr. President. Everybody, that is, except your opposition.
2: Colby, do you understand what I'm getting at?
0: You don't
2: want me to turn in the story. It's a hard choice, isn't it? Mr. Nickerson would break me if he ever found out. I think it's a choice you have to make. The only people who know anything about this are the doctors, myself, and you. You see, I'm trusting you fully. I, I appreciate that, sir. I'm glad, Colby. Yes? Oh, come in, Miss Sarah. Mr. President. Yes? I...
0: Good day, sir. Good day, Miss Sarah.
4: Good day, Mr. Colby.
2: Miss Sarah, I wish I had your faculty of knowing in advance what people are going to do.
4: Colby, what about?
2: Oh, nothing, really. Well, now it all depends on my visit with the Vice President.
5: Won't you listen to
3: reason? I'll listen to you, Mr. Edwards. I've been anxious, too. We all agree on the facts. We have a terrible depression. But you and the the misguided people who follow you believe only in gold. Mark my words, Mr. President, you cannot handcuff mankind with chains of gold. Mr. Edwards, you promised me reason, not oratory. Reason says mint more silver, minted by the
2: millions. Mr. Edwards, I invited you here to make a proposal.
3: Yes? A
2: truce between us from now
3: until Congress reconvenes next fall. So, Mr. President, you admit defeat. I defeat? It's the losers who propose truces. You refuse to cooperate. We speak for millions of Americans who have every right to oppose you, and they do. Sincerely. Honestly. What right have we to muzzle ourselves?
2: Mr. Edwards, maybe if calm and confidence can be reestablished, we can save the railroads from bankruptcy. But if they go... That's a risk we must run. Very well, sir. If you won't wait... We'll fight it out long before that.
3: I... I don't understand.
2: I'll call Congress into special session at the earliest possible date. I'll ask for immediate repeal of the silver clause of the Sherman Act. What? You don't like that, do you? You should have accepted the truce. As possible, Miss Sari, a special session of Congress.
4: Mr. President, is there no way to avoid?
2: It? We'll have to make it the seventh of August.
4: But you, you're wearing yourself out.
2: The sooner it's held, the better. The longer Mr. we go President, on. Mr.
4: President, you're not listening.
2: Hmm? What? Why? I heard every word you said. You said. I that...
4: said I'm scared stiff that you're ruining your health,
2: Miss you're You're turning into a warrior. I'm as strong as an ox.
4: The people didn't elect an ox. They elected you, and you're human. Only too human sometimes.
2: Uh, you don't want me to take afternoon catnaps, do you? Besides, I haven't got the time.
4: Oh, yes, you have. What? If you didn't make appointments that I know nothing about. Appointments? What? Who? That Mr. Mott is waiting to see you again.
2: Why well, didn't you say so? Show him in.
4: Will you come in, Mr. Mott? No,
2: thank you. Well, you must have worked fast, Dr. Martin. Time is of the essence, Mr. President. I've arranged everything in my private hospital in New York. Now, as to the necessary precautions... Doctor, we... we've got to postpone the operation. Postpone it? Impossible, Mr. President. I told you this morning I was planning a certain political maneuver, and it didn't work. Mr. President, I don't believe you grasp the urgency of this. Ah. It's cancer. I do, Doctor, but I... Mr. Ha- President, I have only one duty in this matter. I am a doctor. I am obligated to my own professional principles. They come first. Now, look here, Doctor. I've got professional duties, too. But none as pressing as your health and your life. I think I'm of less importance than the people of this country.
3: Well,
2: then, sir, I'm afraid my journey here has been wasted. But I warn you, sir, it's your life. Thank you, Doctor. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Goodbye, Doctor. Uh, Goodbye, Mr. Mott.
4: Goodbye, Mr. Mott. Really was the last one, Mr. President, wasn't it?
2: Yes.
4: I'm afraid I made you angry before. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, nonsense!
4: Ralph says he has a nice dinner for you.
2: Uh huh.
4: You will eat it, won't you? Slowly and calmly.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Uh. You wanted to say something else?
4: No, Mr. President.
2: Good night. Good night. soup you want, Mr. President? Yes, I can't eat Ralph. It's, it's stuffy in here, isn't it? Open the window, will you? Uh, yes, sir. <sighs> That's better. I needed some fresh air. What's that? Sir? I smelled something cooking. Uh, your lamb chopped on the table, sir. No, no, no. Come over here. Smell it. Smell it. <laughs> That's coming from the servants' quarters, sir. Corn, beef, and cabbage. Corn, beef, and cabbage? Why wasn't I given that? Oh, it's only corn, beef, and Well, cabbage. it smells wonderful. I'm going down to get some. Why, Mr.
4: President.
2: Mrs. Burton, I want some of that corn, beef, and cabbage you're eating.
3: Oh. Mr. President, landy me in the kitchen.
2: Well, it's too lonely upstairs, Mrs. Burton. Have mercy on me.
3: Uh, Ralph, you take some of this right upstairs for the president.
2: I've got a dish already. Not upstairs, Ralph. Right here. May I sit at your table, Mrs. Burton?
3: Oh, landy me. Give the president a chair, Ralph.
2: After you, Mrs. Burton. Please.
3: Oh, oh, oh,
5: landy me.
2: (laughs) That's better. Now, Ralph, don't be stingy. I thought you wasn't hungry, sir. Whatever gave you that idea?
4: I, um, uh, I hope you like the way it's fixed, Mr. President.
2: I could tell I would from upstairs. Uh, here it is, sir. Thank you, Ralph. Mmm. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you must eat too, Mrs. Burton.
5: Oh, well, I'm eating, Mr. President. Uh, or trying to.
2: It's funny. Every now and then I just can't eat alone. I guess, uh, you're so used to having people around you all day. And it's just as funny. When I want to be alone, I can't. Do you have that trouble, Mrs. Burton?
5: The Lord said we never can be alone. Yes. Not really, Mr. President.
2: You're quite right. But just uh, so far as people are concerned, there's virtually nowhere in this continent I can go and not have the whole country know about it. Well, that's natural, sir. We're all interested in how you get on. But uh, suppose I had to get away secretly. Secretly? Oh, just for a few days. There's nowhere I can go on land or sea. People would follow me.
5: Follow you? Oh, oh by Mr. President, only the Lord can walk on the water.
2: <laughs> yes, that's right. And I... Mrs. Burton, you've given me a wonderful idea. Ralph. Yes, sir. Call the Carlton Hotel. Get Dr., uh, Mr. Mott over here quickly. And, Ralph, tell Colby, the newspaper man, I want to see him the first thing in the morning. Yes, sir. Since I saw you yesterday morning, Colby, the operation was first canceled and now it's on again.
0: Oh, I'm glad of that, sir. Now, if I have your cooperation... Somehow I wish I'd never stumbled on this But you
2: did, and now I want you to know all about it. The one place I can think of that I would be safe from observation is a boat.
0: A boat? An operation for for cancer
2: on a boat? We're borrowing a private yacht. I'm going to New York where the yacht is moored. In fact, I'm leaving in the next few minutes. We'll move up the East River into Long Island Sound. The operation will be performed tomorrow morning and then four days of recuperation. Still,
0: people will wonder where you are, sir, won't they? Officially,
2: I'll be on my way to my summer home. Now, how about it, Colby? Can I depend on you?
0: Mr. President, I I won't write or speak a word about it until you allow me to. And remember,
2: not even to Miss Sarah.
0: No, sir. Good luck, sir. And,
2: and thank you. Thank you, Colby. And ask Miss Sarah to come in, will you? Certainly.
0: Miss Sarah.
4: Yes, young man. Good day. Yes, Mr. President?
2: Uh, Miss Sarah, I'm going to leave you with a great responsibility.
4: Leave me? What, what do you mean, Mr. President?
2: I'm going away for five days. For a rest? Only in a manner of speaking. While I'm gone... If
4: not for a rest, what for, then?
2: I'm not going to tell you, Miss Sarah. Oh? You'll be swamped by newspaper men demanding to know where I am. I want you to say, I don't know. At least until I reach my summer home.
4: I can say I don't know even if I do know... You'd be
2: lying, and I'd rather you were able to tell the truth.
4: I... I'm sorry you don't trust me, Mr. President.
2: Miss Sarah, when it's over, I'll tell you all about it. And then you... Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Mott. Are you ready to go, Mr. President? Uh, yes. Remember, Miss Sarah, I don't know...
4: Mr. President, your hand and cold. Thank you, Ralph. Excuse me, a messenger just put something on the desk. We haven't too much time, sir.
2: I'm ready now.
4: Mr. President, this is for you.
2: Oh, thank you. Good Lord. What is it? The Reading Railroad has just gone into bankruptcy.
3: that I see the president. It's impossible, Mr. Edwards. Impossible? you want me to regard that as an affront?
4: I mean, the president isn't here, and so it's impossible for you to see Not him. Not here. Where is he? He's on his way to his summer home. Summer home?
3: The railroads are in bankruptcy and he disappears? If
4: you'll give me a letter, Mr. Edwards, I'll forward it to you. A him. telegram would be quicker. I'd much prefer to forward a letter for you.
3: There's another way, sir. Huh?
5: Who are you, sir? Hello, Miss Sarah. How do you
4: do?
5: Miss Edwards, you and I haven't met before. I'm Rodney, Central News Syndicate. Hmm. You said there's another way to reach the President? Uh, give me a statement for publication. The President will see that wherever he is. Well, what do you, Miss Mr.
2: President, if you're ready. Certainly, Doctor.
5: Uh, We've decided against a complete anesthesia. It might affect your heart.
2: I'm sure local anesthesia will be all right. There may be some pain in the latter stages. It can't be helped, Gunner. We'll try to avoid it. Uh, Gentlemen, while you're operating, I'm going to be thinking of my message to Congress. If I feel anything through that, why, it'll have to be pretty bad. Now, let's get it over with. All right, sir. Anesthetic, Dr. Raymond. Uh,
5: The needle may hurt, Mr.
2: President. Go ahead. Mm. You were right. In just a moment, one whole side of your face and jaw will be numb. You'll feel nothing at all. That's very encouraging, Doctor. Just relax, Mr. President.
0: Your gloves, Doctor? Yes, yes, thank you. Just slip them on over my hands, please.
2: Feeling a tingle, sir? Uh, yes, a bit. It will take only a moment longer. Oh, uh, the anesthetic will make it impossible for you to speak, Mr. President. Mm, That's so. What a wonderful treatment this would be for the Vice President. <laughs> <laughs> the jaw brace, Doctor Raymond. Yes. Open your mouth, sir. There, there we are. That's it. Now, uh, tell me if you feel anything, sir.
0: Uh-uh.
2: Good. Anesthesia's complete. Alright, Dr. Raymond. First incision. At
3: this time of national crisis, doesn't the president realize that he is the man responsible for the country's welfare? That'll do it, Mr.
4: Rodney. Good day, Miss Sarah.
5: Uh, Mr. Edwards, uh, before you go, maybe Miss Sarah will answer a question.
4: I'll try, Mr. Rodney.
5: Is the President ill? Ill? The President ill?
4: What makes you ask that, Mr. Rodney?
5: I've heard
3: rumors. It's my job to verify, if possible. Well, is it a rumor, or is he ill? What's wrong with him? We've got to know, Miss Sarah. A sick man can't lead the country through these times. Now, will he deliver his message to Congress, or won't he be able to?
4: Gentlemen, the President has the responsibility of leading the country... Whether you agree with him or not, that's his duty. To carry it out, he needs a few days' rest. Won't you please let him have it?
5: And he is at his summer home? I beg you not to disturb him. Oh, no, I just want to check on him. <laughs> well, Miss Sarah, we sent a man to the President's summer home. He isn't there. I'm
4: sure you've made some mistake.
5: Where is he, Miss Sarah?
4: He'll be there, I tell you. <laughs>
5: Sarah, and he's still not there. What's happened?
4: He's simply taking his time, that's all, Mr. Rodney. I
0: had a message in the press room that you wanted to see me, Miss Sarah.
4: Yes, Mr. Colby. This telegram came for you, marked, as you see, confidential.
0: Oh, oh, thank you. It, it's from the president, Miss Sarah, at his summer home.
4: Is it indeed?
0: Listen had excellent crews, and never felt more confident. Miss Sarah, I'm going to let out a yell. What? Yippee! Dance with me, Miss Sarah. Mr. Colby, you're in the White House. And he said he's confident. (laughs) Mr. Edwards won't enjoy that when he speaks to Congress.
2: And so it is clear that to re-establish the confidence of the people in our dollar, the silver clause of the Sherman Act should be repealed. We must close ranks not behind the banner of inflation, but under the standard of gold and the honest dollar. That, and that alone, can lead us to the prosperous destiny, which is the right of the American people. You excited, Miss Siri?
4: You've won. They've repealed? You'll have the official notification tomorrow.
2: Well, well, I must say, you don't look very happy.
4: Oh, I am about that, but Mr. Colby showed me a copy of his story.
2: About the operation?
4: I didn't know that I was so untrustworthy. You confided in him, but not in me.
2: I told you, Miss Siri, I didn't want you to have to lie.
4: I lie very well when I have to. But you
2: had so many other things to worry about. Oh, Colby, come in. Uh, Where are you going? I've come to say
0: goodbye, Mr. President. Oh, you've been promoted, eh? Well, that's fine, Colby. Mr. Nickerson fired me, sir. He what? His telegram said, I want reporters working for me, not fiction writers. He doesn't believe the story? Not a word of it. Just the same, sir. It's been a great honor to have had your confidence. Miss Sarah... A telegram for this Mr. Nickerson.
4: Yes, Mr. President.
0: Oh, please don't, Mr. President. Uh, dear Mr.
2: Nickerson, if Colby is a fiction writer, I am too. His story of my journey on a yacht with medical details is 100% fact. If you don't want Colby to return to your payroll, I'm sure my administration can find a place for a, a fiction writer of his abilities. Sincerely, sincerely, etc. and so
0: forth. Is that all right? Oh, Mr. President, I... I have to go right out on
4: the lawn. What for? Mr. Colby wants to let out a yell. A yell?
0: Thank you, Mr. President. Good night.
2: Good
4: night, Colby.
0: (laughs) Well, Miss Sarri,
2: you're still pouting.
4: Perhaps you'd rather I let out a yell, too.
2: But if I told you about the operation beforehand, you'd have worried so. I did worry. But not over
4: the... The operation? Oh, I knew all about that. What? The second time you and Mr. Mott came, you and he were almost shouting at each other. Miss
2: Sherry, you've been eavesdropping again.
0: Uh,
4: quite so, Mr. President. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Mr. President. Good night, Miss
2: Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> that's just about how it happened. I actually had that operation aboard a yacht and the cure was complete and permanent. And repealing the silver clause of the Sherman Act gradually brought the country back to prosperity. Have you guessed yet who I was then? It really did happen, you know. Oh, yes. It's a true story and it happened in 1893 when Grover Cleveland was Mr. President in his second term. And here's another interesting thing. That newspaper man, his real name was Holland, published a story. But it was 24 years after Dr. Mott wrote his memoirs that people really believed him. (laughs) Well, will you drop in again next week? I've got another story I know you'll enjoy. Good night.
1: Edward Arnold may soon be seen with Clark Gable, Deborah Carr, Sidney Street, and Adolph Manjou in Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's production of The Hucksters. <music> Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold, is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company. It is produced by Robert G. Jennings, directed by Dwight Hauser. Tonight's script by Paul R. Milton was based on an episode in the life of President Grover Cleveland. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adler. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.